coming into your ear holes to talk about some dividend stuff. We're coming into your ears. It's time for the Dapper Dividends show once again. Hey, we can bend the lyrics, right, to make it fit. I sampled that song. Look at me. Look at me, Ma. I'm like a hip-hop artist. You sample Christmas songs and make them into dividend investing songs. Is it right? Is it wrong? I don't know. That's for you to judge. Hey, we got some dividend news coming at you. Some portfolio activity. The old portfolio Activity that we had going on this week. And a very, 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 very important lesson that yours truly, good old pep-pep peepaw, has learned about the wide, wide world of investing. So buckle in, sit down. Shut up. Get ready to hear about something. I know people are like, what in the hell kind of podcast is this where this guy's telling me to shut up? I never heard such talk in my life. How's it going? I'm Russ. I'll be your host for the remainder of this Right Ya podcast episode. Who am I? Well, I am a passionate passive income investor about, oh, 45, 46 years old or so. He doesn't know his age. Now you got to leave a little bit of... Uh, little bit of mystery and mystique for you to ponder and chew on. This week's review comes from Westerosi Villain. And he says, and by the way, if you want to leave a review, it's have some fun with it. I don't care. I'll pick one to read uh, every week when I do a podcast. That's not having somebody as a guest. But he says that, belay my last, it's an absolute pleasure of a podcast. Russ formerly a seaman on the John C. Stennis and current humble welder will not give financial advice, but instead provide insights into the wide world of finance based on his own personal experience. Using his Cook County education and many, many years of life on this earth, he will regale you with tales of gentlemen's clubs, punk bands, Pee Wee Herman, and fun Navy slang like Belay My Last, among myriad other things. He won't tell you what to do with your money, only what he's doing with his. But if you so choose to borrow his conviction, you'll likely be pleased with the results. He's a man of culture, a man who has read the essays of Warren Buffett at least once and still knew PepsiCo was a better investment than Coca-Cola. So please let him come into your ear holes for at least 30 to 40 minutes a week and learn. Also, he has no accent, none whatsoever. Dude, do it or do it, do that. Thank you so very much. I love it. Like I said, we have fun here. You know, I I just like when people laugh. Uh, There's some other podcasts I listen to. Really good information, but I find a little bit boring. No offense. Hey, if that's your style, that's your style. I'm not for everybody. Believe me. I know. I've been told so. But that's cool. So thank you so very much for that review. Crazy week, as usual. Maybe not crazy, crazy, but, you know, it just goes to show that we never know what's going to happen in the world of, honestly, in the world. Just leave it at that. Nobody knows what's going to happen. But I'll tell you what is happening around here. Yours truly has made, I'm not really a cook or a chef or a pastry chef or any kind of a can candier. I don't know what you call somebody who makes candy. Candies? Candy, that was a good song by Cameo. I do like Cameo, but I did make something called Pep Pep's Sweet Potato Fudge. No, it's just called Sweet Potato Fudge. We got the recipe off of WGN. They have this, well, they'll have this nutritionist, registered nutritionist called DJ Blattner. <laughs> Don Jackson Blattner. That's what I'm trying to say is the words fumble to get out of my mouth. And... 
yeah, WGN here in Chicago, good old AM720, owned, might I add, by Nextstar Media Group. She gave a recipe that I have a link in the description for you below for a two-ingredient recipe for some healthier fudge that we're making to bring over to our in-laws' house where we'll be spending a few days for Thanksgiving. So looking forward to that. A little bit of time away from, uh, you know, I'm going to be re- catching up on some reading, hanging out, watching football. Food family and football is what we like to say around here. And it, yeah, it's sweet potato fudge. I don't know if you like sweets or not, but it's sweet potatoes and dark chocolate. And that's it. Anyway, if you're interested, check the link below. You can see about that. Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway dropped their latest 13F. That's where they get to disclose all the things that they did with their U.S. holdings, the equities, and doesn't have to be the foreign ones. Now, they did request confidentiality on a holding, so they're not going to disclose that. We won't know what it is until the next one. I'm going to be interested to see. You know, there's some word out on the street that it may be uh, Tesla. T-S-L-Y, that's going to be remain to be seen if they did dump a whole bunch of money into T-S-L-Y, the Tesla synthetic covered call ETF from Yieldmax. I was going to say Promax, but I think it's, it's Yieldmax. Yeah, not a fan of it. I'm skeptical. But dude, Berkshire Hathaway had a very interesting, again, selling, doing more selling than they were buying. Check this number out. I tallied the numbers for you, dear dividend investing listener. Berkshire Hathaway, before all the sell-offs that they did this last quarter, their patty, the projected annual dividend income, was $4 million. Think about that. Not $4 million. The, the dividends that they were projected to receive for one year were $4 billion. $970,459,799.28. Or if you want to be slick, you could just call it $4.97 billion or round that up to $5 billion even. Either way. So with everything they sold off, they actually lost $141.7 billion. I rounded that for you. See how nice I am. They lost $141.7 billion of dividend income, did Berkshire Hathaway. But listen to this number, though. Their number now, they did add a small position in a Sirius XM. Is go, their new PADI number, projected annual dividend income, is going to be $4.8 billion. Or we could say... $4,828,796,724.98 in dividends come in Berkshire's way, and you're going to be like, yeah, but they got to pay taxes on that. Yes, yes, they do, but hey, that's uh, that's the way the cookie crumbles, and that's the way you get smacked right in the mouth with that sweet p- peepaws, sweet potato fudge. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so for Berkshire Hathaway, that was a loss of 2.85. Call it their dividend income for the next 12 months, if everything remains static, drop about 3%. And they just keep stockpiling that cash. You know, Warren's not getting any younger, probably locking in. He's probably pleased as punch to lock in some bonds at 5%. So good on them. Loaning money to the government. They're going to get money back from that. 
That's what Berkshire did. But here's a little bit of dividend news from you coming your way as told to us by Simply Safe Dividends. Tyson Foods, ticker TSN, raised their dividend 2.1%, which is their 12th straight year of increasing those payouts. Simply Safe gives them a dividend safety score of 90, very safe, and a yield currently of 4.02%. That's interesting. I don't think they're going anywhere, but their profit margins have been squeezed. Canadian insurance and asset management firm Sun Life, ticker SLF, raised their dividend 4% which is a total of 8.7% dividend growth in the last year, 4.46% yield, and a safety score of 89. If you hold new skin, I'm sorry, dear dividend investing listener, they do have an 8.67% yield, but Simply Safe Dividends downgraded new skin, ticker NUS, from a 55 borderline safe to 40 unsafe. They also downgraded Best Buy, ticker BBY from 80 to 70, so at the lower end of the safe bucket. And Best Buy has a dividend yield of 5.39%. Very, very interesting. Some company called Nikkei, ticker NKE, raised their dividend 8.8%, which is Nike's 22nd straight year of dividend increases. Yeah, dividend safety score of 99, super safe, and they have a yield of 1.40%. Suncor, Ticker SU, the integrated oil and gas company, raised their dividend 4.8%, which gives them a yield of 4.71% and a dividend, dividend, dividendos. Me gusta los dividendos. Me gusta los dividendos. Dividend safety score of 50, borderline safe for Suncor. Do you own Suncor? Just shout it out at the top of your lungs right now if you do. Yes, I own Suncor. And let people know. Don't just wear your dividend investing businesses on your sleeve. Shout them at the top of your lungs every chance you can get. That's the way we like to do it wherever you are. If you're in line at Jewels, if you're in line at the Piggly Wiggly, just go ahead. Let everybody in the store know that you are a Suncor investor and damn it, you are proud. Sanofi, ticker SNY, they were reaffirmed. They're a pharmaceutical company, dividend yield of 4.05%, safety score of 90, very safe. And another dividend downgrade for Universal Health, ticker UHT, downgraded from 60 borderline safe to 50 borderline safe with a yield of 7.18%. But not a downgrade, Kraft Heinz, ticker KHC, was upgraded from 50 borderline safe to 60 borderline safe. We got that Kraft Heinz mac and cheese going on here, people. <laughs> and Simply Safe says that the continued debt reduction improves the safety of their dividend. So 4.75% yield. From what I remember, that dividend has been frozen for the last several years. So they're not cutting, they're not growing, it just is at 4.75% currently. Liberty Media, ticker SIRI, they proposed a combination with Sirius XM. Uh, they got downgraded from 61 to 50. I think that's one of the deals with the Braves, with Warren Buffett, them owning the Braves and Liberty Media. So they have a whole stock group, bunch of different tickers, Warren owns a bunch of them. Uh, anyway, so if you own ticker SIR, you might be interested in that. So 
they were downgraded from 61 to 50. I think I said Liberty Media. So that was SiriusXM. They downgraded. They have a 2.09% yield. They refreshed their outlook on TD, Toronto Dominion Bank, which I do own almost 130 shares of in our retirement account. Dividend safety score of 84.57% dividend yield. And then last but not least, they reaffirmed the dividend safety score of 60 borderline safe for ticker HASI, Hannon Armstrong, which is a mortgage REIT, 6.77% dividend yield. I hope you like that, dear dividend investing listener. And I don't know, maybe you're a viewer too. I don't know. You're, either way, so what did we do this week in the portfolio? Well, here's what we did. We sold a bunch. Wow, did we sell. So we moved out fully of three positions. And some people have given flack for this saying like, hey, Russ, what gives? You say you're buying these positions for the long run. Yes, that's the intention when we buy. But like any good human being, my trick is that I keep learning as I'm getting older. And I learned this from Warren Buffett. You just keep learning and growing and evolving. And that's what we have been doing. So we're not afraid to sell if A, we feel we made a mistake or B, if we think we can put that money into something a little bit better. So in this case, we think we put money into something a little bit better as of right now. So we completely exited the position of Selenies, ticker CE, at an average price of $127.68. Not a bad business, but we think that that money will be better going into J&J, Johnson & Johnson. We sold 17 shares of Target, so we took advantage of them doing okay on their earnings. I think the market kind of was just overreacted. We saw a lot of short covering is what I'm thinking. A little bit of a short squeeze there. So Target, we had been peeling off in the mid-teens, the mid-100-teens. So when this was up around 130, I said, you know what? That's fine. We're basically about uh, average there. Didn't really lose a whole lot. Tax loss harvested maybe like 25 bucks, whatever it was. So we got out with that $130.94 average on those 17 shares. And then we'll save the last one for the main topic. But what did we buy? We bought 20 shares of Johnson & Johnson, ticker JNJ, at $149.08. Now we did get money from those positions we sold plus another bigger position that we sold. And now, dear dividend investing listener, we got ads for you, two of them, coming at you. I'll catch you on the flip side. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dividends we received $17.50 from Selenies, $53.28 from AbbVie, 
$50 from Enterprise Products Partners, ticker EPD, $1.32. I know, I'm being stubborn on those Albertsons shares, ticker ACI, waiting for the merger. $40.19 from Realty Income, ticker O, and $35 from Main Street Capital, good for $197.54 in dividends this week. So what was that position that we sold? Well, I'm so glad you asked. It was Intel. Actually do this. Say, hey, Russ, what position was it that you sold? Well, I'm glad you asked because it was Intel. Ticker INTC, which has been screaming upwards as of late, up almost 15% last week. We finally went green. I mean, this thing was almost $24 just a few months ago. And yeah, we went from red to green. And that was Thursday morning when the market opened. And I had this odd sensation in the pit of my stomach. And you know what it was? It was that feeling you get when you're gambling. It was excitement. I had excitement watching the share price of Intel go up and down a little bit. And then up, up, up some more. Down a little more. Then way up more. And it was just like, oh, I felt like I was watching the little ball spinning around a roulette wheel. Or when you're watching horse racing and your horse is starting to pull up behind the leader down that final stretch, down the home stretch. I think they, I'm not a horse racing guy. I don't know. Hey, at least that's not as bad as saying he's he hit a touchdown with his baseball stick. No, but you know, it's funny. I talked with uh, two of my good friends, Harris Elliott from one penny at a time podcast and Ryan Williams. And I was pontificating with them and Harris reminded me how not even a year ago that I was telling him when we were down about 40% on Intel, I was like, dude, if I could just int exit Intel with a 10% loss, I would be thrilled. I would be so happy. And it is just really amazing how emotions can cloud our minds when that happens. And I had emotion when you have that excitement, when you're gambling you get emotional. And it's just not a good thing if you think, key, if you think that you're investing. When you're watching the price, wanting the price to just go higher and higher and make us more money, that is the polar opposite of investing. And why is that? Well, when we invest, we're looking at what the business, what the business itself will produce but when we speculate, we're focused on what the price is going to do. And I can personally tell you that I have been solely focused only on Intel's price. And you could say like, well, dude, why are you only focused on their price? Well, I'll tell you why. <laughs> because you asked again, or I made you ask, or it made you think that I'm going to think that you're... Either way, dear dividend investing viewer, I've tried, I've tried, and I've failed to understand what gives Intel a competitive advantage over their peers, over their competition, what gives them a moat, what gives them a durable competitive advantage. As I try looking at Intel and understanding them, I put this in the newsletter. I had said something about codes running 3.8 times faster from an HBM performance boost. Oh, and their five nanometer Gaudi 3 having twice the networking of the Gaudi 2 because the Gaudi 2 only had 24 times inbuilt 100 GBE ROCE NICS. I don't know what those acronyms mean. I just don't understand this stuff. I can't understand why an NVIDIA chip 
is superior to an Intel chip and why that might not be as good as an AMD or an ARM or one of the Texas Instruments or Qualcomm chips. I just, I don't understand it. And like Warren Buffett, who I, you know, I've been listening to one year now for the second time, I'm listening to every Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting, but I'm doing it one year every week. And I just did 1997. And it's funny because one of the things they'll say and they talk about it is the reason he wants to understand a business is because he needs to know that he can reliably and comfortably predict where that business is going to be in 10 years. Yeah, sometimes you're wrong. But if you aren't comfortable buying a stock, if you knew the market was going to close for five years, then you shouldn't own it for five minutes. And with Intel, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to be king of the hill or they're going to be completely obsolete and at the bottom of the base of all the semiconductors in five years. I just really don't know. But when I look at a Coke, when I look at a Pepsi, when I look at a waste management, things like that, I anything can happen. Any black swan can happen. But I have a relatively high level of conviction that Johnson & Johnson, that Procter & Gamble, those companies that a PepsiCo, that they are going to be at the top of their peers, at the top of the mountain, maybe sharing space, Pepsi, Coke, either way. They're going to be at the top. They have that moat still going in five years and in 10 years. And again, anything can happen. So because of that, we had a cost basis of 100 shares at $41.65. So I set a sell price of $42.05 because I was like, you know what? I'm not going to get greedy. I had said I would be happy to be out with a 10% loss. I'm going to just make 50 bucks on it. You know, it's like a bunt single. I'll take it. And I don't know. The thing could be at $100 in, in in a year or it could be back down to 20 bucks a share. I really don't know. But I took the took the gain, took the $50 gain, 50 cents per share, $50 gain. We exited the position. And I am thankful to be out with no money lost plus all the dividends received. And I consider that a free lesson that I'm sharing with you in price speculation versus business investment. And it's just really that simple. If the only thing you are looking at is the price, then you're not investing in the business. You are not a business investor. And it's just so simple. Hey, there's lots of people that make really good money speculating on price. It's just, that's not the game I'm playing. That's not the game I want to play. And it can be easy to forget that when you look at a, you know, degenerate app like StockTwits and you see people talking and I have to realize like, oh, a lot of these people, all they want to do is they want the price to move. They're betting on the price going up or down. And that's not the game I'm playing. So that's why I feel comfortable holding on to my next star media position because I believe in five years and in 10 years, they are still going to be at the top. Now, yes, there are some headwinds that are facing them, but from what the management is doing, I think they're very well managed that they're going to overcome the headwinds and then some, and I could be wrong, could be a nice, learn, really expensive learning lesson, but that's the whole point of that is like, even when they were down uh, in the low 140s, I was just like, you know what? I'm not that worried because I think that they're just going to keep growing cash, buying back shares, paying out growing dividends, growing the business, reinvesting in the business. I think they're going to be more valuable in the future than they are right now. So like Ben Graham said, 
right? In the short term, the market is a voting machine, but in the long term, it's a weighing machine. And eventually, and I may be early, but I believe that the market will recognize Nextstar Media Group as a fantastic business from my opinion, things I've looked at. And again, of course, it's just, this is all for fun and entertainment. I am a passionate passive income welder, right? That's doing this whole social media content creation thing because I need an outlet to share what I'm learning, what I'm doing, growing, have a few laughs. You know, I'm going to go on YouTube live here in a little bit from when I'm uh, recording this. So again, if you like this, leave a review. If you want to have your review possibly read on this Right Here Very podcast, I would love it. If you want a special deal on a site that I love using, SeekingAlpha.com, there is an affiliate link below where you can save a few bucks. And as always, if you do want to receive the free weekly newsletter, sign up for that at DapperDividends.com. I love you. I thank you so very much for letting me come into your ear holes once again. And if you come back next week, we'll do it all over again. I will talk to you then. So long, everybody.